To God our Father, to Jesus our Savior, to the Holy Spirit who is the paraclete who comes alongside to help and aid us in this thing we called life. It's just good to be in the house of the Lord one more time. That was real weak church. I don't know what y'all came to do, but we came to church to have church. All right. All right. Come on. Let's, it's good to be in the house of the Lord one more time. Any day above ground is a good day. Amen. I don't know about you, but I'm excited about the Lord Jesus Christ. And to, certainly we give honor and where honor is due to our pastor in his absence. He could have chosen anybody, anyone, uh, but he looked on the baby boy and uh, said, come on and preach. Uh, to my brothers who are, who are here with us today, God bless you, man, uh, brothers. Uh, we want to continue our series uh, about the one another's. Uh, my task is to tell you about how to pray for one another. And so I want to read this scripture and then give you the title for this sermon that follows under that umbrella. Is that all right? Uh, James chapter number five, verse number 16. Here the word of the Lord says, confess your faults one to another. And pray for one another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man availeth much. I want to talk to you this morning from the subject, how to do right when you've done wrong. Look at somebody and say, neighbor, preacher's going to preach about how to do right. When you've done wrong. Amen. Let's give God praise for what he's getting ready to tell us. Here in this passage of scripture, we're introduced to the writer James. James is identified as the half-brother of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And moreover, he's a widely known leader in the Jewish Christian community and church. James was highly respected and regarded as a man of piety and godliness, even outside of the Christian circle. So much so that when he was nicknamed and designated, he was referred to as James the Just or even James the Righteous. When it is that we meet James in this passage of scripture, he's writing to a scattered group of Christians who are very young in their relationship to Jesus Christ. James writes to them because they are experiencing persecution for the sake of the risen Savior. The Bible lets us know that uh, that James is suggesting that these believers are scattered, they're scorned, they're separated. And this is all because the, this has happened right around the time of Acts chapter number 8 where Deacon Stephen has been stoned to death. As James continues to give guidance by way of his penmanship to these believers, he shares with them from the vantage point of a pastor, thus carrying the ongoing theme and truth that there are many people who profess the faith, but there are very few who practice it. And as James moves towards a close in, uh, on, in chapter number five, he gives light 
to one subject, and that is the subject of prayer. Whereby in verse number 13, he writes concerning those who engage in individual prayer. Then in verse 14, he talks about those who are engaging in prayer from the elders, which would be uh, ecclesiastical prayer. Verse number 15, uh, he, he writes concerning the power of believing prayer. Verse number 16, he writes uh, on, according to the issue of intercessory prayer prayer but then he moves on in that same vein and makes a declaration of effectual and fervent prayer James while coupling this concept with various uh, uh, circumstances uh, he tells us that one thing is the same doesn't matter what happens in life how it happens the pursuit the privilege, the power, and the practice of prayer should never be neglected. James is, James is trying to let us know that this type of prayer may not be everybody's favorite. Because it's not about individual prayer. This prayer is about institutional prayer. Uh, it, it's, 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 it's the type of prayer that creates a culture in a place because James knows, knows that culture doesn't happen by happenstance, neither does it happen by chance, and so it has to be carefully crafted, created, and carried even so in the church. So what does James want to tell us? He wants to show us what to do when you've been wrong. How to be right, how to get it right when you got it wrong. First thing we got to do in verse number 16 is cleanse with confession. Cleanse with confession. My brothers and sisters, watch what James says. James says, therefore, confess your sins to each other. And pray for each other that you might be healed. What, what's so interesting about this text is that James is saying that the prerequisite for prayer as it, as it relates to restored relationships with one another is that our discourse must first commence with a confession. Realizing that confession is not only a cleanser for the soul, but confession is an essential cleanser to the continued fellowship of the saints. Brothers and sisters, now when you look at this and the untrained eye would give the misinterpretation that would suggest that James is saying when he says confess your sins one to another that you should just go around open up your mouth and remove all doubt that you are a sinner and you are about all of your intimacies about all of your moral ugliness that we possess in an effort to tell people that we're nothing but saved sanctified Holy Ghost filled sinners. To put it in layman's terms, James is, not, uh, uh, James is not saying just go around and tell everybody your business. Matter of fact, Ephesians says it's wrong to do that. Going around displaying those things that you do in the secret. 
That confession is as unto God. He says, when you confess one to another, James is prescriptively saying that there are certain sins at certain times that compel us to confess. Brothers and sisters, he says there are certain sins at certain times that ought to cause us to confess. Thus meaning we've got to do the word study. What does it mean to confess a sin? What is sin? In the Greek, the sin word is the word harmadia. It means to commit offense, to falter, to miss the mark, to error, to go or do wrong, to violate, to wander uh, from an upright path. So when James says, confess your sins, James is saying that when you have committed an offense, wronged, sinned against, violated your brother or your sister, confession is in order. The word confess in the Greek literally means to acknowledge, to openly and freely profess forth from the heart. So whenever you have wronged, uh, been unjust, lied, misled, offended uh, uh, your brothers or called somebody to stumble in their singing, that the, the first thing we need to do is acknowledge and apologize. That, that's what that word confess means. Don't just acknowledge it, but apologize for it. Because James is saying that when we do this, there's restoration that starts to take place. I like it because James does not leave us clueless about who we ought to confess to and where our confession ought to be centered towards. He says that when, if you had the energy to commit the sin, have the same energy to confess the sin. Y'all don't like me today, but I'm going to preach anyhow. Listen, listen, he says, he says, instead of you holding grudges, what you ought to do is have a conversation. Because, he says, he says, because when we do this, we hinder the culture that, that, that God wants to create in his church. And so he says, confess one to another your sins because God is pleased when we do this. Matter of fact, it was Augustine of Hippo who said that confession of evil works is the beginning of all good works. Uh, matter of fact, God is pleased because we create this to be our community norm. Uh, matter of fact, uh, I, I will submit to you that it's impossible, almost imperative, for you to get right with God. If you're going to get right with God, you've got to get right with your fellow man. Because it hinders the fellowship of the church. Matter of fact, I know some of us, we confess, then we mess up the confession. He says, confess it. Be cleansed of it. Benjamin Franklin said, the best way to mess up a confession is to give an excuse. If you're going to confess it, confess it honestly. Own it and, and then move away from it. 
because you're not doing anything but cleansing yourself. So the first thing we've got to do is confess. Can I tell you, church, in a nutshell what I'm trying to say? We've got to confess to one another because we're in covenant with one another. We're walking, we walk in agreement. We come under the same umbrella of Jesus Christ. We've done what God has called. So, so it's right for us to confess it because we're in covenant. Second thing I want to show you. He says, confess. You need to cleanse with confession. If you want to get it right when you've done it wrong. Against your fellow brother or sister. But then secondly, you need to communicate with the creator. James says, after you have confessed your sin one to another, after you have confessed your offense one to another, mutually, honestly, wholeheartedly, then you need to pray collaboratively. Collaboratively, excuse me. Collaboratively. In, in other words, do it together. Pray together, both the sender of the offense and also the recipient of the offense. James says, now what we're not going to do is when we get to praying, you, you began and say, Lord, but pastor sinned against me. We want you to help him, heal him, make him whole. And, and brother pastor and other, on the other side saying, yes, Lord, do it, Lord. Touch him, Lord. He says, soon as they get done praying, you need to mutually pray for them. One prays for the offense of the sin. The other prays that mercy would be multiplied of God. Why? Because God shared the same reaction with us. You, you ever been to a party? I know y'all have. <laughs> this was for, for those who, who, who used to do this. They, they, they used to dance on one side of, 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 of the floor. And then the DJ say, Switch. Different dance. Then it go switch, right? And that's what he's saying when it's time for confession and prayer. Don't, there is no one victim. There is no victor because after we get done with this, God will get the glory. And so he says, both parties involved. After you've talked to each other, now we can partner together and talk to God. See, you have already prayed on each other. That's P-R-E-Y. Now it's time to pray for each other. He, he, he lets us know that, 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 that if you're going to do what's right, you've got to include prayer. See, don't get mad at me. Pastor preached the scripture. I, God gave me the sermon, okay? This is significant because the Christian's most powerful resource is still communion with God. But it's also the least used and tool of the believer. Matter of fact, James is saying, pray for one another. It's in the middle intense. Uh, it's in the middle present tense. It means that when you pray for one another, keep it up. Keep going. Keep lifting each other. Keep praying for each other. Keep interceding. Don't you stop because healing is on the way. That, that's the beauty of Christianity. Lived out through the expression of forgiveness and prayer. 
in, in, in this exchange, the prayers are visibly and audibly demonstrated as reciprocity. Do unto others as you would have them to do unto you. If by chance you are offended, you ought to show grace because you know grace. And there's somebody in this room who ain't been too graceful. Let me just go and switch. I'm in there now. You have not shown the grace because for some reason or another, you've got a grab on the offense. And you choose not to confess that you've held the grudge just as long as they committed the, the offense. See, our problem is not that we don't want to confess to the priest. Our problem is not that we don't want to confess to God. Our problem comes when we've got to confess to the person we did wrong to. Our problem comes when, and, and let me, and for our Catholic brothers and sisters, let me just put this on record for those who may see it later, that God did not give one minister, one preacher, one pastor the ability to forgive sin. You can't walk in no confessional talking about, Father, I've sinned. He can't save you. God didn't give him that ability. Only God can forgive sin. Only God can forgive offense. Man has no power over God's authority. When was your last confession? Well, pastor, what you going to confess? He says, confess one to another. Pray for one another. That you might be cleansed. Can I tell you? I show grace because I know it. God has given me grace on most stuff than I can talk about. The scripture says that he's been faithful. He's been just to cleanse all our unrighteousness. The forgiven sinner prays for the spiritual warfare of the fellow believer who in turn commends them to the mercies of God. Last thing, I'm going to take my seat. If, if, if you're going to do right when you've done wrong by way of prayer, you, you need to cleanse with confession. Do it one to another. Number two, you need to, uh, I done forgot my point. You need to communicate with the creator. Hallelujah. He'll give everything in remembrance. I walk in the spirit of God. Then third thing you need to do, you need to, you need to celebrate the cure. Watch what James says to us. James says prescriptively. He says to us that by confessing your sins, Praying for one another. There's a destination ahead. The destination after we've come to one another to talk about it. After we've confessed you was wrong, I was wrong too. After we've prayed to God and said, Lord, help him. And she said, Lord, uh, and, and I say, Lord, help her. 
Now, after we've done all of that, he says, do this so that you may be healed. Confess and pray so that you can be healed. Uh, uh, I, I, I like this because that word heal literally means to make whole again, <laughs> to cure, to give strength to. Uh, even though James is purposely vague in his statement about, about this type of healing that you will receive. He does not say it's spiritual healing. He does not say it's relational healing. It does not say it's inclusive and, and individual and, 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 and institutional healing. What he says is that, that if you do what is the prerequisite, healing is available. And could, could it be? That the reason why some of the healing you have not experienced is because you're cluttered and have not confessed. You, you, you have not prayed about it. And, here, and here's, about, here's the thing about praying for one another. You may not be able to pray with each other, but the Lord says you can still pray for one another. Am I, am I talking to somebody here? So, so he says... So what he does is he says, you've got to heal. But watch the journey to healing. Confess, pray, heal. Confess, pray, heal. Confess, pray, heal. Confess, pray, and heal. That's, those are the verbs he gives us. And I like it because it tells us that if we do all of that, healing is our destination. It reminds me of my seminary pastor, the Reverend Dr. William Watley. He's the pastor of the St. Philip AME Church in Atlanta, Georgia. He's going to retire here in May after 50 years of service. Dr. Watley has a continuance in a custom that he does every single day. He, every time he gets into his car, Dr. Watley stops and prays. Every single time. Uh, by way of example, I tell you, if he's leaving his home on the way to the church, he's going to stop and pray. If he gets to the church, decides that he's going to go to the store. When it, before he leaves the church to go to the store, he's going to stop and pray. Then he gets to the store, leaves the store, and decides that he's going to go from the store to back to the church. At the store, he's going to stop and pray. From his office, he, he walks in, does his work, he leaves from the church for one final last time, and he cranks his car up again, and he moves to his home. He stops and praise. I said, Dr. Watley, what warrants you to pray so much every time you crank up the car? Dr. Watley said, you don't get it. <laughs> I said, Pastor, please enlighten me. <laughs> he said, what you need to understand is that every destination ought to be preceded by prayer. And all I'm trying to tell you, if you're going to make it to your destination, it needs to be preceded by prayer. And I don't know where you're going today, but before you get there, you need to pray. 
before you find yourself on life's journey to where you're going, you need to pray. And all brothers and sisters, if we're going to make it to spiritual wealth, spiritual wellness, spiritual healing, spiritual restoration, spiritual cleansing, all of us have got to pray. And all brothers and sisters, this is where you can participate because some of us in this church, we have not gotten what we need from God. We are not going where God has not planned for us to go all because we have not confessed. We have not prayed. Thus we forfeit the healing. But I need about five people in this place today who says I'm on my way to my destination and I will not allow bitterness, resentment, all this anger to, to, to come upon me and not be what God called me to be. I'm going to my destination. Higher heights, deeper depths, going on with the Lord. Is there anybody here that can thank God that I've got a destination because I choose to heal. I choose to confess. I choose to pray for one another and I choose to get my wrongs right with God and right with my fellow man.